In 2011, Steve Jobs died at the age of 56 from pancreatic cancer. He left a fortune of $7 billion. These were some of his last words. At this moment, lying in bed, sick and remembering my whole life, I realized that all the recognition and wealth I have is meaningless in the face of imminent death. I have the money to hire the best at any task, but it's not possible to hire someone to carry my disease. Money can get you all kinds of material things, but there is one thing you can't buy, life. As I got older, I realized that a $300 watch and a $3 million watch show the same time. That a $50,000 car and a $15 million car can reach the same destination. That in a house of 300 square meters or in one of 3,000, the loneliness is still the same. True happiness does not come from material things. It comes from the affection that our loved ones give us. So I hope you understand that when you have friends or someone to talk to, that is true happiness. In whatever stage of life you find yourself now, be grateful and enjoy the little things to the fullest and treasure the love of your spouse, your family, and your friends so that when the day comes, when the curtain falls, you can carry with you the true wealth of this world. Indeed, the true riches in life are not found in things, but in relationships. And God wants a relationship with you and has provided himself a lamb as an offering for your sin. Truly, Mary had a little lamb. And I'm grateful for this season and the reminder of what the true riches in life are. A healthy, helpful reminder from someone who was wealthy beyond measure, had more than money could ever wish for, but things that in the end were most important, he realized money could not buy. I ask you this morning, do you realize how rich you are in things that matter if you are a Christian? If you know Christ as your Savior, how abundantly blessed you are. May God remind us of that. Oh, may God open our eyes this morning as we stand together and take God's word and turn to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I want you to read aloud with me here verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 reminds us of the wealth that we have this morning by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. The Word of God says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be rich." You see it there? Let's read it aloud together. Everyone, once again. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Oh, the riches of Christ. You may be seated. God wants us to share these riches of Christ, these riches of Christmas 
Number one, by seeing the poverty of Christmas. The poverty of Christmas. Think about it. Remember last week in Luke chapter 2 and verse 7, the Bible says there was no room for them in the inn. A picture of poverty. He came into his own and his own received him not. Rejection. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that he laid aside his glory. He took on the robe of man, you and me, so he could die as a sinless sacrifice in your place and mine. One writer said at his birth he was the same age as his father but older than his mother. He was also the creator of his mother. He was a son of God by a father without a mother and the son of man by his mother without a father. He was the word who was God before all time. He was the maker of the son yet born under the son. He remained in the former yet came forth from the latter. He was the earthly child of a heavenly father. He was the heavenly child of an earthly mother. He visited us in time so that we could spend eternity with him. He was born of a virgin so that we might be born again, born from above. He was made the son of man that we might become the sons and daughters of God. He spent 33 years with us so that we might spend eternity with him. He came to die that we might live. He walked among us so that we might walk among deity. He came out of eternity into time so that we might leave time and go into eternity. This is who Christ is. He who was rich for your sake and mine became what? Poor. Poor. He humbled himself, the Bible says. He emptied himself. He laid aside all of his rights and privileges of the throne of God. Think about that. To come and to be born in a lowly manger. The poverty of Christmas. Do you see it? Do you see him with nothing, with very little? But the thing that was most important he had, he had the love of those who cared for him. I want to tell you, there is love that God has for you and love that God has for me. And there is a love that passes understanding and description when we look to our Lord and we realize it's all of grace in verse 9. Look at that. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the grace that brought him down to man. Turn with me over to the book of Ephesians. I want you to see this in Ephesians chapter number 2. It's the very grace of God that God has given us Christ and forgiveness of our sin. The Bible says... In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding what? Riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast." the exceeding riches of His grace, unmerited favor. Christ came as a gift of God, 
the expression of the heart and the very love of God for us. He was willing to humble himself and become poor. Let me ask you, are you willing to humble yourself so others can know God? Are you willing to put yourself out so others can know God? Are you willing to be taken down, cut back, emptied out, to suffer, to sacrifice even so others can know God? You have to understand the very poverty of Christmas, who Christ is and why He came, but what that involved. Oh, how He emptied Himself. But God also wants us to understand, number two, the principle of Christmas. Write this down. As Christ followers, we prove our love by our actions. We prove our love by not just what we say, but by what we do. God wants us to demonstrate His love. The Bible says, now Paul here in this context was encouraging the Corinthian believers to act upon a promise they had made a year before. There were those in need in Judea and they were taking up an offering. They said, we'll take up an offering. Others got excited and said, if they're going to give, we're going to give. But they had been reticent. They had been hesitant to give and a year had passed. And he said, now here's what I want you to do. He says back in verse 8, I want you to prove the sincerity of your love. And you do it by performing, verse number 11, the doing of what you said you would do. Underline prove, underline perform from a willing heart and a willing mind in verse 12. Notice verse 14, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want and that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. He said, now help people out. Not only talk about it, but do it. He says, I want you to show here the principle of Christmas. Christmas is all about giving. Not just saying you love someone, but actually showing them. Are you going to show people the love of God this Christmas? Are they going to see it in you, not just in what you say, but in what you do? We give because we love. And this is unfolded here. It comes in verse 16. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. God put it in Titus's heart to care for you. He came to you as my messenger. Boy, think about this. What is in your heart to do for God and others? That's the principle of Christmas, is it not? For God so loved the world that he gave. That's the principle. That's what God is trying to teach us all. And if we are godly, that means that we are so God-conscious, we become God-like. And if we're more like God, we not only love in word, we love in deed. What can I do to show you the love of God? And do that from your heart. I'm glad for what God has shown me. And used me, I trust, to show others of his great love, his great mercy. Thanks be unto God. We live in a land of abundance, do we not? You know we do. When a fired football coach 
will make $25,000 a day for the next three years to do nothing. Now that's just one. Another recently fired football coach will make $26,643 per day for the next eight years to not coach. Imagine that. A $78 million buyout. Fully guaranteed. I don't think we realize how blessed we are because we have so much. And the more we get, the more we want, and we're blinded to what we already have. And because if we're not careful, we go down that path, the more we get, the more we want, the more more won't satisfy. And the more we fail to see how much we have, and because we want more for ourselves, we're hesitant to share it with anyone else. Isn't that amazing? The principle of Christmas is that we have been blessed to bless. And we do it gladly, do we not? From our hearts as unto the Lord. A man by the name of George Sweeting said, For the Macedonian Christians, giving was not a chore but a challenge. Not a burden but a blessing. Giving was not something to be avoided but a privilege to be desired. Paul said here, understand this principle of Christmas. Jesus, he was rich, but he became poor for your sake, that you might be made rich, that you might be blessed. God has blessed us so that we can bless others. That's the very principle of Christmas, and I look forward to getting, don't we all? But it is more blessed to give than to receive. And we had a family get-together yesterday, and to see those grandchildren open those presents... I want to tell you, there's nothing like seeing those faces light up. Oh, oh, this is what I wanted. Oh, this is what I've been wanting. Oh, this is what I hoped for. Oh, they're so excited. They're so thrilled. And some of them are about the same age, so we got them the exact same thing. And some of you understand why, right? But I think about it. What a joy to give. It's our privilege to give. The more I go, the more I think about all the things that it costs to be a, a father and a grandfather. The one who gave me what I have is the Lord. And if I will give it freely to others, God can give me even that much more. Isn't that right? See, if you grow up poor like I did, especially like they did during the Great Depression, you, you tend to hoard things and to hold on to things. And it's like, oh, no, I don't know if I'm going to get any more than this. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be taken care of. You are. You pass along what God has given to you so that you can bless others. And God will take care of you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God's going to take care of you. This is the very principle of Christmas. Think about it. Oh, God wants us in every way to come to this place of faith, to share the riches of Christmas by seeing the poverty of Christmas, by showing the principle of Christmas, but then by sowing the praise of Christmas. You get into chapter 9 here. Sowing is a principle that you come across in verse 6 and following. 
This I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. That's what he's saying. You give as God has given to you, and God has grace sufficient to make you abound, to continually replenish you, supply your every need. God has all sufficiency in all things. There'll never be a want, a lack in the lives of his children that God knows is legitimate. God will take care of us. So the Bible says he's able to multiply our seed sown in verse 10. Being enriched, verse 11, in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. Do you see that? Here's the very praise that we sow. We see that God has blessed us. And he says, because you see how blessed and how enriched you are by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you not only serve others, but you sow gifts of goodness, of gratitude, of thanksgiving and praise. I want to tell you, how long has it been since you sowed some seeds of gratitude in your family? Hasn't God been good to us? Hasn't the Lord blessed us? Oh, we're so blessed. Seeds that can take root in a heart that says, you know what? We are blessed. God has been good to us. Is your conversation about the goodness of God, the blessing of God, the faithfulness of God, is that what you sow in your conversations? Or is it, woe is me. Life is just such a, a hardship it's it just such a trial continually. Have you ever been around someone who's always talking about the goodness of God? I'll tell you, that's one reason I always enjoy being around Rebecca's dad, my father-in-law. Hello, Tim, was the first words he said to me, just like that. And I can see him walking around his car to shake my hand and meet me for the first time. Hello, Tim. I said, well, hello, how you doing? So I've heard about your records, told me about you, and he talked. And, and you know what? He's always been upbeat. He sent us a text. He does the preachers in the family. And he says, let's be full of the Holy Spirit. Our people need something from God, from that book. Let's give them something from that book today. I'm praying for you all. He sows seeds of faith and courage and encouragement and gratitude unto God in my life. What are you sowing in someone's life? Are you sowing that by focusing on who God is and what God has done and how he's giving you this greatest gift of all? He forgave all of your sin. You are innocent in the eyes of God. You are not guilty. And it's not because of what you've done. It's because of what Christ has done in emptying himself, humbling himself, coming in the form of man bearing in his own body your sins and mine on the cross. No wonder the songwriter said, Hallelujah, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior today. 
He's been good to us, but it doesn't stop there. He says in verse 12, For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, whatever need we have, the grace of God, the goodness of God, the blessing of God in your life, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. The more we praise God, the more we see the goodness of God in our lives, but more God, the more God blesses us. You've got someone that's grateful for what you do for them. It makes you want to do more, right? But if they act like you owe them, and you just did what you're supposed to do anyway, how does that make you feel? Like, okay, all right, enjoy. Are you grateful for what God's done for you? Are you grateful for what others do for you? Do you sow that praise? See, the praise of Christmas, it goes on. While the experiment of this ministration, by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God. Do you see that? For your professed subjection is to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. They glorify God because you freely, joyfully, abundantly bless them. And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Do other people see the grace of God in you? See, it's free. It's an unmerited favor. So do you treat people that way? Freely bless them. Freely, well, no, if they'll bless me, I'll bless them. If they'll do something for me, I'll do something for them. Now that's our humanity. But God wants us to move beyond our own limitations of our humanity and move more into his example of who he is. He is the very essence of giving. For God so loved, he gave. To love is to give. To love is to give. Sowing these seeds of graciousness, of goodness, of blessing to others. He said, they saw the grace of God in you exceedingly, the exceeding grace of God. They couldn't believe how good you were to them. They couldn't believe how you loved them. They couldn't believe your heart toward them and what you were willing to do. And then ultimately, what you stepped up and performed. Now think about that. I hope there will be those in our lives this Christmas who will say, wow, you've been so good to me. Thank you. I can tell it's from the heart. I can tell you, give joyfully. And gladly. You ever been in a situation where someone did something for you and they made you feel like they wish they hadn't done it? Or now you were obligated to them till death? You ever been there? God wants us to give freely without any strings attached. Isn't that right? Joyfully is unto the Lord. Knowing God's going to bless us, but the more God blesses us, the more we look to bless others and the more people see Christ in us and the more glory and praise He gets through our lives. I want to sow these seeds of praise this Christmas, don't you? Hey, God's blessed me, so I want to bless you. God's been good to our family. We want to be good to others. Hey, God's been good to our church. We want to be good to others. Let's have that spirit of faith. Let's sow those seeds of gratitude. So he says in verse 15, Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. This is this gratitude. 
God is the one who gave this unspeakable gift, inexplicable, without words, beyond description, ever unfolding. It's the gift that keeps on giving. God not only gave me forgiveness when he saved me, but look at all the things he's given me since. Is the gift that keeps on giving. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. We are a blessed people, are we not? Now, the adversary would like you to think, no, you're not. You're beneath everything and everyone else, and you're just so burdened and bothered all the time. You're not a blessed person. Yes, you are. In Christ Jesus, you have all the riches that really matter that anyone could ever hope for or imagine. In Christ, you are already seated in heavenly places. God sees you in Christ and he sees you in heaven. He sees you with your eternal reward. You are a rich person today if you know Christ as your Savior. And you have been blessed by God freely. And as God has freely blessed you, he wants you to freely bless others. I think about the opportunities that God has given, how rich we've been made through the poverty of our Lord Jesus Christ. Corey Tim Boom said, Who can add to Christmas? The perfect motive is that God so loved the world. The perfect gift is that He gave His only begotten Son. The only requirement is to believe in Him, and the reward of faith is that ye shall have everlasting life. God help us to share the true riches of the gospel. And tell others of this great gift that keeps on giving. I thought this was interesting. How many of you, most of us perhaps, have seen a Charlie Brown Christmas? Have you seen that? We actually had that Christmas tree in the lobby this past Thursday night. It really was. Kind of an empty looking, sprawling tree. One ornament. And I loved it. I thought, man, I love it. I actually have a Snoopy phone in my house. I have a study there. When I was 15 years old, I went to Southern Bell in Salisbury, and I signed up to have a phone put in our house. We had not had one prior. When my friends would say, hey, Cruz, what's your phone number? I'd say, well, give me your number, and I'll call you. I didn't have a phone. I'd go down to the phone booth and I'd give them a call and act like, I'm, like I was at home. So I thought, I'm going to get a phone. And I went in there and they said, well, here's the showroom. You can pick out any phone you want. How many of you remember those days going through the phone showroom? And I picked out a house phone and I thought, well, I'm going to put one in my room. And I saw this Snoopy phone there. And I thought, that's it. And I bought that Snoopy phone, and I remember just talking on that phone into the night, you know, there in my bedroom at home. Brother Larry heard me talk about that one time, and, and uh, some years back he showed up with this, Pastor, I got you something. I said, well, what is it? He said, well, take a look. And I opened it up. It's a Snoopy phone. He said, I heard you tell about it. I saw this at the antique store, and I thought I'd buy it for you. I said, antique, I don't know if I like that word or not. He said, but I bought it for you. And I put it in my study at home and hooked it up, and it works. 
To this day, it works. I got to talk to you on my Snoopy phone. But I thought this was interesting. I read this recently that in 1965, Charles Schultz, a devout Christian and the creator of the Peanuts comic strip, he was asked to create a Christmas special by CBS. He agreed with one requirement, that they allow him to include the story of the birth of Jesus. Although the station executives were hesitant and tried to convince him otherwise, Schultz was insistent. As a result, for the past 50-plus years, millions of people have watched A Charlie Brown Christmas and heard the story of Jesus and what Christmas is all about. It wasn't until a few years back, this writer said, that I realized a message in the film as well. Linus, a child who seems to have some insecurities as he carries a security blanket with him at all times. In fact, Linus never drops his blanket except once. While sharing the message of what Christmas is all about, quote unquote, Linus drops his blanket at the exact moment he says the words, fear not. Isn't that wonderful? In this seemingly innocent moment, he delivers a powerful reminder of the true meaning of Christmas. We are to fear not, for Jesus is born. We needn't rely on material things for security. We have God, Emmanuel, with us. Truly, Jesus Christ is come, is the true meaning of Christmas. The writer went on a while back, someone informed me that Linus picks up his blanket at the end of the speech. So I had to think about my understanding and what I was seeing. Well, he was right. He does pick up his blanket at the end of his speech. But however, he drops it again later on. Amid the, amid the big, bright, colorful, shiny, artificial trees, Charlie Brown chose the least of these, a little wooden tree with just a few branches. Shortly thereafter, Linus uses his blanket to wrap around the base of the tree and says, quote, maybe it just needs a little love. In that moment, the tree awakens, stands tall and firm, a reminder that no matter who we are, how many mistakes we've made, a little love can make all the difference. Let's strive to fear not and to love one another, not just at this Christmas time, but throughout the year. Isn't that wonderful? You know, sometimes in the simplest ways, God speaks the most powerfully. I'm telling you, because of Christ, he who was rich became poor so that we don't have to fear and we can embrace the true riches of love and forgiveness and acceptance and security in him. Fear not. I'm going to tell you, a little love goes a long way in a cold-hearted world. And friend, I don't know what you are facing or I don't know where you're coming from today, but I'm going to tell you, there's a God in heaven who made you and there's a Savior who died for you and He loves you. And He didn't just talk about His love for you. He showed it. He gave Himself for you. My dear friend, Pastor Clarence Sexton said, when I am where God wants me to be, God will take care of everything. I believe that. And I just want to ask you this morning, are you where you need to be with the Lord? Do you know the Lord? Are you saved?
Do you know Christ as your Savior if you die today? Do you know heaven is your home? If you know that, what are you doing to represent and reflect the true riches of Christmas? We are truly blessed to bless others. And may it be so through your heart and your life and mine this Christmas season. Let's stand with our heads bowed.